responsibility, and it's completely set apart from what my husband says or does or be how he behaves. My humility, I've got to own my humility. And uh, that's what we hope we're accomplishing in this, this time together today, is to get us to think in that way. But um, I want you to know, if you're not on that track of looking at my humility, then you're on the wrong road. You're really not on the road to happily ever after. That's the name of this weekend. You're on the road to nowhere land. And that's not a very good place to end up. When you get to nowhere land, that's not a fun place to be. We're on the road together to happily ever after. Okay, do me a favor and write down, Lynette said, we forget things. And we do. So let's write these two things down. If you don't write anything else down that I say today, that's fine. But I want you to write down these two things. Okay. My humility can transform my marriage. My humility can transform my marriage. Secondly, my humility can lead to a happy, healthy marriage. Now, don't even be thinking, poor me, I'm stuck, I'm trapped, I'm in a broken, dull, difficult, romanceless, selfish marriage. And some of us have been there. I've had some of those thoughts in my lifetime. I'm sure maybe some of you have had those. But don't let yourself be a victim. That's what this is about. We are not victims at all. And our humility alone can transform the marriage that we're a part of. You know, I've, you've probably heard the old saying, um, two rights, or excuse me, two wrongs don't make a right. And that, that makes sense, right? Yeah, certainly two wrongs don't make a right. Well, in a marriage, there's two of us. And I'm here to tell you, if there's even one right in that marriage, it will make things right. Maybe not today or tomorrow, but eventually, if we choose to do the right thing, things will become right. Two wrongs do not make a right. They never make a right. But even one right will in the end lead our team, our team Mancini to victory, or your team Collins to victory. One of you being right. And so let's be the one who's willing to step up the, to the plate and choose to be humble. <coughs> Here's an amazing, There were significant issues, sometimes even, you know, adultery, which some of us think, wow, you know, how would you handle that? But significant issues in their lives. But they just could never get past um, holding something against their husband and thinking, well, I would have never done that or viewing themselves more highly than they ought really. I believe that I can, I could possibly commit any sin that's found in the Bible. I think that I have the propensity to commit any sin. Now, there are certainly sins that I'm not drawn to in the least, but if given the right circumstances, the right situation, believe me, I don't have any, you know, illusions or delusions about myself. I'm capable of being the biggest sinner in this room. And if we understand that, I think that will really lead us to a place with our husbands of being humble and being, you know, willing to work on things. But my point is, if only one is right, and if you're that only one, you can make a tremendous difference in your marriage. So don't view yourself as handicapped, trapped, a victim, because that's a lie. You are not. And don't let anyone tell you that, ever. The scripture I want us to focus on as we open up here is it found in 2 Peter verses 1, or chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Super inspirational verse when you apply this to our relationships with our husband. 
verses three through four. I'm actually holding a real Bible. And I actually, I actually stole this out of my son's car that we borrowed to drive here. So he might be looking for this right now. And I got it. Well, I'll apologize later. Um, this is the scripture. And, and I want you to think this through the marriage channel, okay? It says, God's power, God's divine power has given us everything we need. That's really complete. Everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature and escape the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. This makes you a powerful woman. This makes you a powerful wife. And don't let anybody ever tell you differently. I want to read a, a short blip. Um, wrong one. Um, I wanted to share with you, it's a worldly kind of story, but it kind of demonstrates the very point that we're talking about here. I mean, transformation in our marriage. <coughs> it's, about, um, it's about this couple and a situation that goes on between them, but I think in some ways, though it's a worldly story, she's reflecting this very deep, profound understanding of how much influence she can have in her marriage. Not long ago, there was a CEO of a Fortune 500 company who pulled into a gas station to get gas. He went inside to pay, and when he came out, he noticed his wife was engaged in a deep discussion with the service station attendant. It turned out that she had known him previously. In fact, back in high school, before she met her husband, her then husband, she used to date this guy. The CEO got in his car, and the two drove along in silence. He actually was feeling pretty good about himself when he finally spoke up and he said, I bet I know what you were thinking. I bet you were thinking, you're glad you married me, a Fortune 500 CEO, and not that guy who was a service station attendant. And the, re the wife replied, well, actually, no. I was thinking, if I had married him, he would have been a Fortune 500 CEO. <laughs> Don't miss out. 
on God's dream for you. You know, we all are at different places. So if your marriage right now, if I asked how many people in here marriages are falling to pieces, probably no one would raise their hand. That would be a little intimidating. But I bet there are people in here today right now thinking, wow, my marriage is a wreck. It's a big, fat mess. I don't think anything could ever fix it. It's unfixable. Okay, it's not true because your humility can fix it. That's what I'm here to say. Maybe you just feel like, wow, we're at, a, we're at kind of a standoff. We're kind of stalled out here. We're kind of stagnant. Our marriage is kind of stinky. It's not going anywhere. We're kind of bored with each other. Guess what? Humility can push you through that wall and get you to the other side. So wherever you're at, and if your marriage is going great, guess what? Be humble. Give God the glory. Thank him for the amazing husband that you have. We all do have amazing husbands, by the way. They just... You know, they're on their journey, so just like we're on our journey, but you're married to an, you need to be convinced that you are married to an amazing man. Thank you. They're doing a great job over here. You know, our happily ever after began 36 years ago, as Mark was mentioning. And it is so cool to be here right now, this weekend. And I actually have the honor and privilege to look into the audience and I can see my dear friend, Chris Fuquay. She was there 36 years ago on December 1st, 1979. She was there. Marty was at our wedding. So, how cool. God has got such a great plan for all of our lives, too. You know, he's, he's carried us both through crazy things in our lives, and here we are together at this married weekend. And I'm thinking, that is so awesome that a, one of my wedding party are here today. So thank you for being here. And for being such a great friend for the years. We need people. And many times I had to sit at Chris's feet saying, you know, I don't know. I don't know if our marriage is, you know, we're having big time problems. I need help. So we all need to have those people in our lives where when we get stuck, we can feel free to get help. To not feel like um, that we're tattling or we're going to get our husband in trouble. You know, Mark and I early on did make an agreement. At one point, back to the old, to the uh, wisdom teeth days that he shared about. I remember at one time, I wanted to call long distant to get discipling advice from someone. He was so funny. He so didn't want me to call anyone at that point. Um, because he wasn't that humble right then. But anyway. <laughs> but he actually said to me, well, you can't do that because it's a long-distance phone call. We don't have enough money. <laughs> I think it cracks me up to think about that. I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, it wasn't the money. It really wasn't the money. But um, I think about going from that part in our first several years of marriage to later the two of us coming to full agreement, striking an agreement, Listen, if, you know, for Mark to go to Chris, any time there was something going on in my life that he's talked to me about, I'm unwilling to listen or change, we struck a bargain. You go to Chris any time and wrap me out because I need help. And vice versa. We had an agreement. I could go to Marty any time. Once I, I, I needed to respect my husband first and try to make, you know, a conversation go well there, but if it just didn't go anywhere, I had Mark's full permission and encouragement. Go, go to Marty and let him know what's going on. So we need those kind of relationships and thank goodness in the kingdom we can have those kind of relationships. I think about all my, you know, my, my family that they don't have that. Or friends that I grew up with that have been married and divorced three and four times, you know, 
it's so sad that they were not able to get the help that they needed to get. But um, so, 36 years ago, Chris was there. She can she can testify that we got married in Charleston, Illinois, Heritage Chapel Church of Christ, right? And, and that too was where we went for our big reception. So anyway, but. I also look into the audience and I think it's hilarious that Cheryl shared what she shared because what I was going to say is through the years, we got to participate in watching our friends get married. And um, it was such, such a stunning, you know, time in my life. Uh, seriously, the story Mark told about Cheryl being out front, changing the oil, <laughs> all true. Every word, he was not exaggerating any of that, I promise you. Because I remember when it all happened, and I just was dumbfounded. And I'm like, she's changing the oil. That brother's going to want to date her. Like, she's not there changing. Anyway, and Mark's like, I'll take care of this one. <laughs> I, I had no idea what to say. So thank goodness for my husband. But, but the day that we stood, you know, and, and Mark had the, the glorious, you know, privilege to wed uh, Cheryl and Ron, to watch their relationship from beginning, you know, from the oil-changing days all the way <laughs> to now, uh, the amazing couple that they are, was so incredible. But I remember, I remember specifically Mark said to me that day, that very day, he said, oh my goodness, when Cheryl came walking down the aisle, in your wedding dress. He said, I, you know, I almost went to pieces. Now, don't get too sad. My, my husband at one of our yard sales sold that dress for a quarter. Fairy tale life 
is what he, now I know we don't live a fairy tale life every day of our married life, no way. There's so many things that come and go and have happen, but he really wants us to enjoy our marriages through all, through the ups, the downs, the ins, the outs, the good times, the bad times. There needs to always be enjoyment on the other side. That's what God wants us to be doing, is enjoying our relationships with our husband. And so fly in here. Um, you know, I, I know that we all started out. Well, I was going to say, I wanted to add, the other thing I was going to say is there's many other marriages in this room that it was such a blessing to see or, or be a part of. Joe and Lynette Collins, Caesar and Rachel Felici, and the list goes on and on and on. There are many of you in this room. But it's so, it's so wonderful to see the years pass by. And truly, though we don't have a perfect track record in the kingdom, by and large, our marriages survive the test. They do, they do. I don't know what today's statistics, you know, if you plug it into Google, what the statistics are, but I just know they're really bad. It's really bad. And yet in the kingdom, you know, because we have the tools, the relationships, the scriptures above all, we have the opportunity to succeed like no one else. So I want you to believe when you walk away from here today that you can enjoy the benefits of a fairy tale marriage, of a happily ever after marriage. Now, sometimes I will tell you this, our marriages can look more like a mystery than a fairy tale. I know that for Mark and I, we had to bump heads and figure each other out, you know, especially more so in the early days, but still now, even 36 years down the road, we're still figuring each other out. And sometimes it's like a mystery, like, I don't get it. Like, why doesn't he understand that this hurt my feelings, you know? I don't get it, it's a mystery. Sometimes we're in, Sometimes I felt like my marriage was a science experiment. <laughs> Seriously. Do you know Italian people? Any, anybody in this room? Do you know an Italian? Okay, a few of you. Okay. I had no idea what I was getting myself into 36 years ago. So imagine this. Imagine this. I come from a pretty unexpressive family. Not touchy, huggy, all that jazz, none of that. Um, and, you know, I meet Mark's mom and dad for the first time, and they're kissing you all over the face, hugging you, talking so loud that I thought they were yelling at me, <laughs> mad at me. So, uh, polar opposite families, right? Okay, so you're bringing that into the marriage, aren't you? That's a lot of differences right there. But I want to share with you, in our early days, all the way back to Columbia, Missouri, a, a brief little um, description of what went on in our life. This is what happened. I was learning to cook, because I was not very domesticated myself. I, I, didn't know, I didn't learn how to cook. My mother worked full time, and my father was at home due to, he was unable to work. So I didn't learn a lot of the domesticated things that some people may have learned, but anyway. So I remember one of the first meals in our married life. I was so, I really was excited, to be honest. I didn't know how good it was gonna turn out, but I was pretty excited. So I put together this meal, and I knew exactly when he was coming home, and blah, 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 and he arrives and you know, comes in the door, and he's like, oh, you know, dinner's ready, I can smell it, blah, blah, blah. I bring the dinner to the table, and I had made a meatloaf. I had never made a meatloaf before. But anyway, and I don't make many of them now either. So, <laughs> so I deliver the meatloaf to the table, and then I scurry to the stove, and in a pan, I had heated up some green beans from a can, no seasoning whatsoever, just heated them up in the water, brought the pan to the table, sat it on a hot pad, and um, <clears throat> that was it. <laughs> that was the whole meal. <laughs> my, my poor Italian husband, he kind of just, I don't, he, 
it's maybe the only time in Mark's life that he's ever been speechless around <laughs>
It was craziness. I even talked about finding him. Like, I'm going to start finding you. I, I am not lying. So, so this went on for far too long, where I would get after him, and I would, you know, throw his towel in the tub. I, I did things. I reacted. I responded. It was very immature and stupid. But, but this is awesome, because this is what came from that. Soon, it probably had to have been months, he still was throwing his towel on the floor. Okay, I had talked, I had picked, I had nagged, I had pointed out, I did all those things, and he's still throwing the towel on the floor. So my way did not work out so well, right? So finally, why don't I try it God's way? Oh, the light bulb went on. I'm going to start praying for God to pick, for Mark to pick. God, God, it must have been God. See, God will pick up your towels. But I, I started praying about this, this conflict in our marriage. And how, I meant, I wanted him to pick up his towels. I started praying about it. I'm not kidding you. I never had to say another word. Something happened. It's probably because I didn't say anything. <laughs> that he finally decided, I'm going to pick up my towel. And it's, that's silliness. That's goofiness. But that never left me. The understanding that, wow, I don't have to be the informant. I don't have to be the watchdog. God is watching us all. And he's overseeing our lives. And he's above all and through all and in all. And he can work in all situations, even yours. He can work if we will unleash the power that you can find in prayer. So, do nothing else. Start praying about your husband. Now, you know, our prayers may start out kind of with the wrong spirit, like God, you know, Help this husband of mine to get more humble. He's so arrogant and prideful. We may start off with the wrong attitude or spirit, but if we keep at it, God transforms us. You're on the receiving end of this. Um, it's a blessing to pray for our husbands because we get more and more in tune with them, more behind them, more supportive of them, and we become their fan through praying for them. So, Pray for them. Protect him. You know what? There's a lot. There's so many opportunities outside that door. Your husband's probably working in an office, right? Somewhere. Where they're with all kinds of non-Christians. Eight hours a day. God has a plan for our marriages, but so does Satan. And he, I promise you, is working on his plan to destroy your marriage. Yeah. I mean, doesn't that make you mad? Like, I'm not going to stand for this. I'm not going to put up with this. I'm going to do something about this. And there are many things we can do to protect our husbands. One is be encouraging to them. Point out their positives. Support them. Show them respect. Great question. I, I've had to ask my husband this through the years is, do you feel my absolute respect? Because I know there are times where I haven't shown it. And I, I've asked that question, and that's a great question to ask. But, you know, we need to protect our husbands because Satan is like a roaring yeah. lion looking for our husband to be devoured. Yeah. And those are fight words. Our enemy is not each other. Our enemy is out there. Yeah. And Satan is trying to unleash on all of us you know, his destructive plan for our marriage. So, what does that mean for you? Figure it out. Figure out a way to protect your marriage. Your, maybe, that, maybe you're not spending time together in the way that you should as a priority. Um, there used to be this old motto long ago uh, having to do with drugs. It was, it was called, just say no. You know? With our sex lives, 
don't just say no. <laughs> Do not implement that model into your romantic, intimate life. I've said no. I'm not going to stand here and point the finger. I've said no, and I shouldn't have. There are times when, yes, no, you know, your husband will be very understanding of that. If you've had, just had your wisdom teeth out, you're probably <laughs> I'm sure your husband will understand. But is it the rule? Is it the rule that we always are tired, we always have a headache, we always are preoccupied? Is that the rule? Is it, or is, it, is that the oddity, the very odd thing that we ever do? But the rule is we always say yes. I'm going to just encourage all of us, myself included, I want to say yes. What does that show? Say yes to the dress, right? But if we made that decision today, I'm going to say yes. It's going to have a tremendous impact on our marriages. And don't, don't use, um, I'll, I'll say yes when it, when it works for me. I'll say yes when I'm ready. Say yes when you're not ready. Say yes when it's not the right time or it doesn't work conveniently into your organized little plan of life. Say yes then. And I promise you, I've done it. And you will love it. <laughs> All right. So, as we wind our thoughts down, let's pray, let's protect, let's encourage our husbands. Let's follow him. You know, he was appointed as the leader in our families. Our husbands didn't ask for this. I want to lead. Make me the leader. They, really, they didn't. You, you no. think about that? Yeah. They, didn't, they didn't sign up for this. They didn't run for office. <laughs> they didn't have a political campaign. I want to be the leader. I have the deeper voice. No, no. They were given that responsibility. Okay, so you know in your own family when you try to lead your children, it's awful. Yeah. It's awful when they don't when they don't listen or they don't or they're unwilling followers. Okay, use the same thing with your husband. When he's out, he's trying to lead us, and he may not be doing it perfectly. He probably isn't doing it perfectly. He most likely is not doing it. <laughs> But that doesn't, that doesn't relieve us of our commitment to, to try to follow and support. So look for ways. Look for ways to follow. And um, it's another good question. Ask him. Am I, am I being a great follower to your leadership in our family? He'll probably have some answer for you. I don't know what it will be. But, um, and then, we've already talked about this. Lastly, forgive. If you are praying for your husband, I believe you will forgive your husband. If you're doing the first thing that we talked about, you pray, protect, encourage, um, follow, and now let's forgive. And there's a scripture that we are all very familiar with, and it says, Colossians 3.13, Bear with each other, forgive one another, on. forgive as the Lord did what? That's the standard. How much did God forgive me? So much. And when we get in tune with how much we've been forgiven, then and only then will we be willing forgivers with our husband. And I know you might be sitting there right now thinking, but you have no idea what my husband has done. I know. I've, I've thought those thoughts before. God does. God knows it all. And he calls us to be forgiven. No matter what the offense, we can still forgive our husbands. Because we were on the receiving end. At the foot of the cross, he did that for me. So my question is this. Oh, one last point. Just jot this down too. <laughs> Figure out how to have fun. Yes. Follow your husband and forgive him and figure out how to have fun. Now, some of you may be fabulous experts and I should sit at your feet and learn from you. But as, as 
again, life fills, gets fuller and children and family and responsibilities. Sometimes we forget to have fun. Yeah, right. So figure out how to have fun. And I, I know you can do that. In our lives, our fun was we started very early in our lives, very early in our marriage, going on walks. And Sharon mentioned that earlier. It's so weird now, guys. We didn't sit back and go, well, we just need to go on these walks. And I think these walks are going to lead us to much deeper communication and just the right We had none of that. We were like, okay, what can we do? We're broke and we can't afford to do anything else. Let's walk. That's, that's how we got to that place. Okay, we've been walking, I'll, I'll say for 34 years. I'd say we probably were married two years when we started. My husband and I have been walking together for 34 years. That's a lot of mileage, girls. <laughs> but um, now looking back, it's God. It's like God made us walk. It's like, ever, ever, you've seen that um, movie, Forrest Gump, run, Forrest, run. I feel like we're Forrest Gump. We're like, walk. Walk, Mark, walk, walk, Connie, walk. But it has been a centerpiece in our relationship. I can't tell you. Now, you don't have to walk. I'm not telling you to do it, but I'm just telling you the rewards we've reaped have been incredible. Figure out something like that in your marriage, and it's never too late to figure that out, guys. But it's pretty amazing when we come back to LA and visit our, our two boys that are still here. Our daughter, Brittany, is now in Denver. Uh, she just recently took a job there. But when we come back to L.A., our boys always say, well, what are we doing? What are we going to do today? What are we going to do tonight? And we're like, we don't know. And we're like, well, let's go on a walk. <laughs> Costs nothing. <laughs> but so, again, I'm just saying God will help you figure it out. You don't have to walk. We walk. We've walked for 34 years. We're walkers. But find something. Maybe it's golf. Maybe it's Yahtzee. I don't know what it is. <laughs> but figure something out fun to do together. I have to close with this. My question, I have one final question. What, what kind of wife do you intend to be? That's it. What is your intention? And before, um, as, I, as we were planning for this weekend together, I sent my children a text message. And it's so amazing to have my two amazing daughter-in-laws here. Yeah. It's just incredible. I feel so blessed and so thankful. But I want to, I'm going to close with this. Let's choose humility. Yeah. Let's transform our marriages. Let's live the happily ever after fairy tale that God has in store for us. Let's pray for our husbands and protect them. Let's encourage them. Let's follow them and forgive them. And let's figure out how can we have fun together. Because if you do, you will truly live the happily ever after. This is what I want to share with you. I decided when we got asked to do this, literally what I, my first thought was, I don't have anything to share. I mean, we've been at this a long time, so maybe there's one or two things I can think of. Um, so I did this. I said, you know what? The Kind of the test of our marriage is sometimes our, our grown children. So this is what I sent to my all three of my children. Um, a message. Ooh, I lost it. Okay. Okay, this is what I texted to all three of my kids, and I'm going to let you, I'm going to share with you their response. No pressure, this is what I said, but if you can think of just one or two things that you may have learned from dad and my's relationship that may have helped you in some small way, could you text it to me? <laughs> <laughs> is that funny? <laughs> I just didn't want them to feel like I want you to say this or, you know, I, I wasn't setting them up for anything. I just literally... I thought, okay, I'm teaching this class. I want to know what my, my grown married children and my adult daughter think. So, I'm not going to tell you who said what, but I'm going to read them. I want you to hear this because I'm hoping 
help you enjoy the reward that God has for everyone. This is their three responses. Number one, the most impressive thing to me is that I, I have no memories of you two ever yelling or arguing. I am so impressed at the control that you two had. I don't know how you would work that into your class, <laughs> but I think it's a big accomplishment. Everyone has weak moments, but you never had one of those in front of your kids. Clearly, that is a byproduct of having a very strong relationship and a ton of respect for one another and your family. Second kid, number one. Dad always brought you flowers for both you and Brittany. Number two, you and Dad never argued in front of us. Number three, you were very supportive of one another, and you showed confidence in, da in Dad's leadership. Even when he was telling me about my wisdom teeth. <laughs> the, last, the last response is this one. Yours and dad's relationship taught me the power of respect. I always considered my friends' parents' relationships and their stories, and I just appreciate that you guys never argue in front of us. My kids never discuss this. This is wild. They all three identify. So, I, so somehow I think this is profound. Yeah. <laughs> how you will. Um, I appreciate that you guys never argue in front of us. You always handled things in a respectful manner and discussed any challenging conversations in private. Mm -hmm. I can't imagine growing up with parents that yell and fight in front of the kids. Also, your relationship is very well balanced, and while Dad heads, I'm sorry, and while Dad leads it, he very much respects your opinions. So. myself or Mark on the back. We, we have so many flaws. We have messed up in so many ways, great and small. But we really, I believe we've latched onto what humility can do in our marriages. And humility is not a one-way street. It's a two-way street. Um, it's a four-lane highway. You know, the more humility, the better. And um, when I got those text messages back from my children, honestly, it was just, it blew, it blew me away. I, I don't, I'm like, that can't be true. That's not true, we did not. But that's how they saw the, the, the relationship on this earth that will impact them the most. That's what they took away from it. And, you know, Next year, you may be up here sharing at the women at the retreat, at the marriage retreat. So let's make changes. Let's embrace the things we've learned this weekend, today, and let's go forward with our happily ever after, the fairy tale that God has planned for you. Thank you, guys.